Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon to you and yours. I hope you're doing fantastic today on this Tuesday, January 17th, the year 2023. The wild card rounds of the NFL is over, and then there were eight teams left standing, all hoping, praying, dreaming they can get to February 12th, which is the date for the Super Bowl. Still a bunch of games left to be played. We've got eight good teams. We'll talk all about it after yesterday's Dallas Cowboy 31-14 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons in the producer's chair. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming everywhere, and I mean all over the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you want to put a face to the voice, well, you can because we are on television as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Uh, well, all the pressure in the world was supposedly on the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, that pressure either burst pipes or produces diamonds and oh those stars on the helmet were covered in diamonds last night as the Dallas Cowboys beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31 to 14 Dak Prescott so beleaguered so uh downgraded uh played a phenomenal game completed 25 of his 33 passes for 305 yards four touchdowns and nary nary an interception the only bad news for the Dallas Cowboys was an absolutely unexplicable performance by their kicker, Brett Mayer, who had an all-time awful game. And I don't want to harp on the negative. I really don't. But my goodness gracious, the poor guy missed not one, not two, not three, not, but four, four extra points. You don't tell me sports is all between the ears. That guy could close his eyes and make a field goal, but he missed one and he started thinking and he started overthinking and he started analyzing and overanalyzing. And at Raymond James stadium, he became the first kicker to ever miss four extra points in a game Four, unbelievable. Amazing. Unbelievably amazing. Um, on the flip side, Tom Brady threw 31 incompletions, 31. He threw the ball 66. Yes, granted, they were behind. They fell behind early, and they could never get back. It was six zip after one. It was 18 zip at the half. It was uh, 24 to six after three. And the final 31 to 14. So he had to throw it, but boy, he, mm, mm, mm. 
You know what I got the impression of, and I and I want to hear from you and get your feedback on it. Tom Brady looked like he was scared out there. He, I can promise you this much: at his age, he doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want to get touched. He's throwing the ball and turning his back. He's sidestepping. Football is a contact sport, and Tom Brady does not want to get hit. I don't know. I don't know how you play play the game like that. And in modern football, the ability of the quarterback to move around, to sometimes use his legs to pick up first downs and move the chains – is invaluable. And if you don't have it, yeah, I, I don't know how you win in modern football. And Tom Brady does not want to get hit. And it was a bad, bad, bad look on the the reception, the fumble. Dallas picks it up. Cowboys running left. He's running right. He's running back left again. And Tom Brady gets up. And it certainly appeared to me that he slid feet first, and was trying to trip the cowboy runner. Anyway, what is, is. And Tom Brady's going to make a decision. He's not going to play at Tampa Bay anymore. Is he going to play somewhere else? Or is he going to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm tired. That's it. Tom Brady doesn't need to prove anything anymore. But the more he does this... Mm. You know, we've seen it before. Everybody's going to remember him for his days at New England and winning those six Super Bowls. And then he comes to Tampa Bay and catches lightning in a bottle and boom, gets one. Um, You know, Peyton Manning went from Indianapolis to Denver. Even Franco Harris left beloved Pittsburgh and went to Seattle. Jerry Rice went all over the – Brett Favre went all over the place – Joe Willie Namath left the Jets, left the Jets and went to the Rams. So it happens all the time. It's just, what does Tom Brady feel like? Does he still want to get up and practice? Does he still believe that? I don't think there's any doubt he has the the arm and the skill set to to play, but there is no such thing as a perfect scenario. There is no such thing as a perfect offensive line and perfect weapons surrounding that offensive line where Tom Brady can just stand back there and do what he wants and, um, you know, relax and take a deep breath and then throw it. That's just not the way it is. So I, don't, I have no idea what Tom Brady's going to do, uh, but he's not going to be at Tampa, which tells me now that the NFC South is a four-team division with all four teams needing a quarterback. Not one of them, all of them. And for so long that Matt Ryan was flourishing in Atlanta, Cam Newton was at Carolina, you had um, Brady at Tampa Bay, you had Breeze. I mean, it it was a really good division, a really good division. And now... Everybody thinks you can win with defense. Yeah, defense helps. There's no question about that. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't win. I'm sorry. You cannot win. And I will I will argue that to the highest of the mountaintops. If you don't have a quarterback in this age of football, you can't win. And a quarterback that can, can do a lot of things, you just can't win. I'm sorry. I don't care how good your defense is. Offenses are too skilled. They're too talented. You better be able to match points for points. The Cowboys move on. Tampa Bay, well, a lot of decisions to be made by them. 
and uh, we shall see what happens there. So the divisional rounds are set. Saturday's doubleheader. Jacksonville Jaguars go on the road. They will play the Kansas City Chiefs. And the New York football giants in the nightcap will travel to the city of brotherly love to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. We've got a doubleheader on Sunday. The Bengals at the Bills. Joe Burrow and company going to Josh Allen in Buffalo. Okay, that's going to be a huge one. And the Dallas Cowboys will travel to Santa Clara to take on the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to look here at the point spread that came out today, and I'm going to let you know. Uh, Here we go. Believe it or not, let's see, Kansas City is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over Jacksonville. Philadelphia is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over the Giants. Buffalo is a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Cincinnati. And I've got to find out the odds now. I, something tells me um, the 49ers are going to be favored, but by four, not by much. Now, the Cowboys, remember, played on Monday. They traveled from Tampa back to Dallas, which isn't that bad of a flight. And they were excited and happy because they won. 49ers sitting back. They played a couple of days earlier, right? They're at home. The Cowboys are now putting their game plan together for the 49ers on Monday, and then they're going to have to hit the road and travel. So advantage, and I believe a big advantage for the 49ers in that regard. Uh, But we'll delve into that a whole lot more. Bob Rose will join us um, later on today, as he does each and every Tuesday. So, We'll talk about the Saints. We'll talk about the latest with Sean Payton. We'll talk a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Um, We are about 31 days away from the start of the college baseball uh, season. And LSU um, just garnered their third number one ranking since late December. They've been ranked number one in both the collegiate baseball and the perfect game preseason polls. Well, add... The 2023 D1 baseball preseason poll that was released today as number one, according to D1 baseball, quote, LSU supercharged its roster with the top ranked freshman class, as well as the top group of transfers that bolsters a core that was already well stocked with talent. Yeah. Mm. Tigers begin full squad preseason practice on Friday, January 27th. The 2023 season starts on Friday, February 17th. LSU will play host to Western Michigan in Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field. So the D1 baseball poll has LSU number one, fellow SEC school, Tennessee at number two, Stanford at number three. SEC's Ole Miss at four, Texas A&M at five, Florida at seven, Arkansas at eight, and Vanderbilt at 10. So my mathematical mind tells me in the top 10 for college baseball, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the top 10 are in the SEC. Seven of the top 10. Wow. Wow. Alabama's number 20, South Carolina's number 23. Seven of the top 10 college baseball schools hail from the conference where it just means a little bit more. 
Holy cow. Uh, the Pelicans lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers on Martin Luther King Day, 113 to 103. Uh, Darius Garland uh, dropped 30. Jared Allen added 24. The Cavs rallied in the fourth quarter uh, with star Donovan Mitchell injured on the bench, and they beat the road-weary Pelicans, outscoring New Orleans 35 to 22 in the final 12-minute frame. Ouch. Ouch. They had it, and it was a close game. Up by one after one, up by three at the half, still up by three after three, and then the fourth quarter, the the Pels just uh, ran out of gas, still without Zion with that strained hamstring, still without Brandon Ingram with that bruised toe. Uh, The the Pels are now 26-18. and Uh, They went two for three on a five-game, 10-day trip. Let me tell you. That wears on you. And they call the last game of a road trip getaway, the getaway game, where you just want to get away and get home. But the Pels fought. They played hard. Um, and they won two out of three, two out of five. All right. Against some really good teams, Boston including, Memphis including. C.J. McCollum scored 25. Jonas Valanciunas had a 22 and 13 rebound performance. And that's where they are. So the standings look like this. Denver at 30 and 13, tied atop the West with the Memphis Grizzlies. Denver's won six in a row. Memphis has won 10 in a row. The Pelicans up one day, down the next. They've lost. Uh, they've won four of their last 10. Four of their last 10. They are now 26 and 18, one game ahead of the Sacramento Kings, who have won four in a row. Pels get to come home. They take on the Miami Heat, and uh, we shall see. It, it's so hard to determine this club because of all the injuries. So hard. Um, but you just got to fight on and hang in there and and move on from there. Uh, so it's all you can do. It's, it's very, very hard to really analyze this club at this point in time just is but um games go on you keep playing and uh we'll see what happens uh coming up on the program today matthew bruni will join us in just a few uh at about 2 30 this afternoon um good news on the running back front for lsu john emery jr yesterday was the last day to declare for the nfl draft he did not declare for the draft, so the running back room at LSU gets a little bit better, a little bit more experience. Emory showed bursts of greatness at times, very inconsistent, good one time, not the, in, non-existent the next, good one time, whatever. Um, but he's a veteran, um, so that's that's pretty good news for, for the Tigers on that front. So <laughs> there you go. Um, And today was the beginning of a new semester at LSU, and a lot of early enrollees with transfer additions came on. Some injury notes, a five-star defensive end, Deshaun Womack, wearing a sling on his left arm. West Virginia defensive tackle transfer, Jordan Jefferson, wearing a knee brace on his right leg. Um, So 
There you go. The tally for the Tigers for the 2022 roster who have entered the transfer portal is 14. All but three have committed to other schools. The three who have yet to announce their destination are Desmond Little, Xavier Carter, and Walker Howard, who uh, said goodbye to to LSU and Tiger fans with a message posted on social media. Quote, as a kid, I always dreamed of playing at LSU. I never imagined being anywhere else. However, when things happen in life, we have to adjust and keep moving forward. With that being said, I've made the decision to leave LSU and look for the best spot for me to grow. He went on to thank Brian Kelly, his staff, the fans, the university. It was well written, well done, and uh, we wish him nothing but the best. LSU basketball back in action Wednesday when they host Auburn at 6 p.m. The women back um, Thursday in the We Back Pat Week game, uh, they host Arkansas, trying to get to 19-0. and And in gymnastics news, LSU scored a season best, 197.450, but couldn't upset number one ranked Oklahoma, who came in at 197.600. Close scores and all that kind of stuff, um, but another packed house of over 12,000 people on Martin Luther King Day to watch gymnastics. All right, those are your headlines of the day. And um, we got a lot of fun things to talk about today, so we're glad you are with us. If you need help with taking your significant other out for Valentine's Day, uh, the help you need can be found inside the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville, a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes to help you with Valentine's Day by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today and then throw in some flowers, maybe some chocolate. Come on. Let's go. Do it and do it right. First time out of the day, we'll come back on this Tuesday edition of the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Fighting Tigers of LSU and the World Series champs, the Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back, boys and girls. On April 5th, 1984, over 18,000 fans gathered to see Hall of Fame center Kareem Abdul-Jabbar break the NBA's all-time scoring record set by Wilt Chamberlain back in 1966. Jabbar was 37 years old. He went 10 of 14 from the field, grabbed five rebounds and three assists in the Lakers' uh, 129-115 victory over the Utah Jazz, capturing the Mark Chamberlain set within seven career seasons. Almost 40 years later, LeBron James is going to break the NBA's historic record after already being the youngest player to reach several scoring thresholds. James is already one of two players ranked in the top NBA's all-time top 30 in career points and assists. The other 
Hall of Famer Oscar Robertson, number 15 in assists, number uh, in points, number eight in assists. LeBron needs 316 points to pass Kareem. Um, and if you base it upon what he did last night, it won't be long. Because last night against the Houston Rockets, LeBron scored a season-high 48 on 16 of 26 shooting in a 140-132 win. He added nine assists and eight rebounds and didn't turn the ball over in 36 minutes. So they expect him to break the record February the 7th when the Lakers take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think this year... As James is averaging 29.7 points per game, it would be the highest single-season scoring average by any player in their age 38 season or older. Abdul-Jabbar averaged 23.4 when he was 38. Um, yeah. Um, with the – with the, sheesh. You know, he's, he's, he's remarkable. He's remarkable. There's no question or doubt. I think this season's all about him – breaking that record and then you're not going to believe it but guess what team is being rumored about that lebron would possibly leave the lakers to join to go chase a ring you're not yep that's exactly who i'm talking about the new orleans pelicans would you welcome lebron james into the lineup as your guard, along with C.J. McCollum, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and Jonas Valanciunas. Would you welcome that? I, for one, would say, heck yeah, come on. Let's do it. That would be something. It's all speculation. It's all, you know, the Lakers are a long way away from being a um, contending NBA championship team. Pelicans aren't. Pelicans are pretty darn good. So just keep that in the back of your mind. You heard it here. You just never know. I think LeBron's tired of being on a team of mediocrity. I think he wants to break the record as a Laker, and he will. And then after that, I think he wants to go chase a ring. And it's not going to be in L.A., because they have nowhere to go and nowhere to hide. Pels get the Lakers pick if things continue to go, and why wouldn't they go the way they are this season? You got a bargaining chip, and LeBron is always a free agent. He can do what he wants, where he wants, and how he wants. Would you welcome that? (laughs) What do you think they could sell tickets for for those games? Holy cow. That would be fun. That would be fun. So so we shall see. We shall see. Meanwhile, another aged veteran, Tom Brady. I I don't know what I don't know what he's gonna do. He just he just looked awful last night. He looked awful. He just did. He just did. Um yeah. We'll see. We shall see. So many teams being mentioned. Las Vegas, David Carr's gone, right? He's gone. Uh, Miami, he flirted with Miami, got in a little bit of trouble, got the, the Dolphins in a little bit of trouble there. The most logical place would be San Francisco. That's home. His family lived 20 minutes from the stadium. What do you do if you're the 49ers? And what if 
Mr. Irrelevant uh, takes you a long way but doesn't win a Super Bowl this year. Do you bring Brady in for a year? You, you, you trade off Lance. You trade off Garoppolo. You, you got Purdy as your backup quarterback, and you make a run with Tom Brady? I don't know. New York Jets is another team. Great defense. Good young offensive line. They need a quarterback. And then there's the Lamar Jackson situation. And we'll talk all about this. Boy, he sure sounds like a guy that is um, not wanting to be a Baltimore Raven anymore. Just sounds that way. I mean, cryptic tweets on his um, on his social media about, you know, if you got something of value, you take care of it. If you don't take care of it, um, you know, it's a shame. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up and show you, tell you exactly what he said. Uh, the quote was, when you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. Hmm. Hmm. He suffered that knee injury on December 4th. The sprained PCL was expected to keep him out one to three weeks, but it's been a little bit longer uh, than that. A little bit longer. Um, and Coach Harbaugh had plenty of opportunities to go out and say, look, the guy's hurt. He can't play. Period. We love Lamar. We want Lamar. He can't play. We're concentrating on trying to move on in these playoffs. But he never said that. He never, ever said that. And he put the tape in. Not one player means more to his team than Lamar Jackson means to the Baltimore Ravens. Just doesn't. Lamar Jackson as a New Orleans Saint? Hmm. All kinds of opportunities, all kinds of possibilities out there. And that's what makes it so fun, makes it fun. So some quarterbacks in the up in the air uh, as eight teams still fighting for the Lombardi. And there's a whole bunch of teams aren't. And when you aren't, you're moving to get better and trying to do things right. So we shall see. All right. Um, enough of such frivolity and such wishes and dreams because um, the chances are slim to none. But Slim hasn't left the building yet. They haven't left the building yet. So hold on. Um, Wednesday night, tomorrow night, LSU men's basketball team back on the hardwood, trying to get back on track and hosts Auburn in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center in SEC action. Pre-game begins at 5.30, tip set for 6, and you can listen to all the action right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll go all around the LSU campus. Matthew Bruni joins us next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. The guys here in the game dugout love baseball. It was the game that was passed down to them by their fathers. Hey, Dad? You want to have a catch? I'd like that. Not all of them had such heartwarming moments. This guy threw at his own kid in a father's son game. Now back to more baseball talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
And we are back and better than ever on this uh, Tuesday, January 17th, the year 2023. Beautiful uh, spring-like day, warm. The sun has made an appearance in the sky. I mean, baseball's right around the corner, about 31 days before LSU tees it up and gets after it. But let's talk all things LSU with the man who covers all things for LSU, and that's our good friend Matthew Bruni from um, Bengal Tiger on dot. On3.com, BengalTigerOn3.com. How, how's everything going there, Mr. Bruni? Oh, hey, everything is going great. Uh, you know, with over there with Shay Dixon and Billy Embody, two of the best in the business, especially when it comes to recruiting and football and everything. So, yeah, they've got everything locked down and, you know, continuing to help them out and cover, you know, the basketball and the team side of all the stuff and all the transfers and everything like that. I've been doing this long enough. When Shea first got in the business, who gave him his first shot on the radio? Me. When Billy Embody got in the business, who gave him his first shot on the radio? Me. And when Matthew Bruni got in it, <laughs> there you go. We just keep on keeping on, keeping oh, on, man. and having, having fun with it. Um, what's the most fun sport to cover at this time for uh, at LSU? What, what, what really gets you going? Uh the women's basketball team for me right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. It's by a pretty good margin there. I mean, they had 11, they almost had 11.5 thousand in the PMAC, uh, fifth largest ever for a women's basketball game. I mean, that was an awesome crowd. And the Simone Augusta statue had a couple thousand people at it. I mean, they were, um, they sold it out. They beat Auburn by 30. They're going to keep winning. And uh, they got a big week coming up. Uh, I know the, they got Tennessee on January 30th at home, which will be the biggest game of the season to that point. So I'm excited for that. But, um, yeah, the women's basketball team has, has been fun. Uh, they're third ranked in the country. Um, we're starting to do the bracketology and all that kind of stuff. Some some obviously have them as a number one seed. Some they have them as a number two seed. All eyes are focusing on uh, a date in February when they have to travel to Columbia, South Carolina. I wish, I really wish before they played that game that they would have a game that was contested, highly contested, a game that wasn't where you can put in everybody midway through the third quarter. Um, they need they need a game where they're really challenged, where where Kim can see, okay, when when the your backs are to the wall, it's easy to play when you're up 30. It's hard to play yeah. when you're up one or two and the game's on the line. That This team needs that. I don't know if they're going to get that. Yeah, like I said, Tennessee might be the only one on, on January 30th. Um, I don't know how Tennessee's not ranked. That's a separate conversation. Their six losses have all come to top ten teams, basically. Um, so Tennessee w- will be good. You know, I think LSU should be able to take care of business at home against them, though. Um, and then, you know, they got Arkansas um, this week at home. I think that's on Thursday, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And so the, we'll see. They've already beaten them by 24, but Arkansas is – a ranked team or fringe ranked team. So yeah, it'll be tough. I mean, you, you think that they know, you know what they have at this point. Uh, but like you said, it's a different animal when you get down late in the game and you know, you need stops or you need buckets and Angel Reese is, is an awesome player, but how do you, how do you play against the South Carolina that has Aaliyah Boston on it? You know, all these great players on it. It's just, it sets up that February 12th game. And obviously that's Super Bowl Sunday, but I think it's, be- it's be- well before the Super Bowl. So oh, yeah, Oh, yeah. um, man, it sets up for an awesome, awesome matchup there. 
strength of schedule is one of the big things that could hinder this team. Um, but heck, if they go undefeated through the Southeastern Conference or lose yeah. one game in the SEC, they they've got to be a number one seed. Uh, but that's that's a long way that's a long ways away. So uh, we'll see. But I love uh, look. I said before, Reese is going to get hers. Uh, I thought the key to the team would be Flojay Johnson. I think she's yeah. really, really good. And now, all of a sudden, I may be shifting my attention to Alexis Morris, who, after getting sick and struggling just a little bit, uh, man, she's on top of her game. She is. She, she, she. You need a point guard, and she's doing pretty good. Yeah, she she made that transition over. Obviously, last year was Kayla Pointer at point guard. Right. She was the two, and now I'll slide her over to the to the one for the most part. Obviously, it can change at times with the lineups and stuff, but. I mean, she's having games where she has seven, eight, nine, ten assists, and um, the turnovers are for the most part down. And she's just really, really done a good job at picking her spots. Um, you mentioned Flage Johnson, freshman. I mean, has been SEC Freshman of the Week for two or three times already. Uh, you get those two. Um, I really like Kateri Poole off the bench. Jasmine Carson's a three-point shooter mm-hmm. on the wing. I mean, this team, Ladeja Williams at the four is kind of like a do-it-all type. Uh, Big, or I mean, technically she's at the five, but yeah, do it all type big. So they have all the pieces um, in theory, and Alexis Morris is kind of that you know senior, older veteran there to to help them all. I talk about strength of schedule one seventy seven. I don't know how many schools play women's college basketball, but their non conference strength of schedule ranked two hundred and eighty ninth. That's got to be. If not the yeah. worst, it's got to be one above the worst. It can't be any worse than that, can it? I don't. I don't think so. Um, yeah, like you said, I don't know off the top of my head how many uh, play. I'm trying to get it um, yeah. right if, now. If anything, it it's got to be two ninety. They got to max it out at two ninety or two eighty nine. Nobody had a worse worse non conference <laughs> schedule than LSU. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think that that will be, you know, if they do, let's say, end up losing to South Carolina and let's say, or, or even if they just lose to South Carolina in the, in the regular season and the tournament, I mean, that would be their, if, if that was their only two losses, I think they'd be in line for a one seed, but it would obviously mm-hmm. depend on how those other teams do, like a UConn, like a Stanford, like all those teams. So um, we'll see, but it's ultimately, if you get a one or a two seed, I, I feel good about them either way. The great thing about the women's tournament is that you play the first two rounds at home. I mean, that right. last year that was an awesome environment for both those games. Uh, yeah. This year, I think that would be even more electric. I remember bringing my daughters. They were playing Ohio State, and then that's when Matt McMahon was introduced as the new men's yep. coach. He was walking in the arena, and we're watching the game, and this, that, and the other. Of course, Ohio State won it. But this is a better team than last year. Angel Reese makes all the difference in the world uh, to this team. If they had her last year, man, look out. Uh, but it is what it is. But they certainly have the potential to be a Final Four team, and I think that would I think that might even surprise Kim Mulkey a little bit to go that far this soon. But I think if they stay healthy, they keep getting better. Players are starting to understand their roles a little bit more. Um, they're getting really good guard play. Flojay does everything, and Angel Reese just keeps getting double-doubles. I don't know how you stop her from doing that. So they they're a legit Final Four team. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, Angel Reese at this point, I was looking through the player of the year candidates. I mean, it was just her and Caitlin Clark from Iowa that I came up yeah. with that yeah. are the top two candidates. So, I mean, we could, in theory, if LSU, let's just say, runs the table, I mean, 
they could be not only, you know, if they beat South Carolina, they run the table, they could be the number one seed and have the player of the year, in theory, if everything breaks right. I mean, that's a very realistic possibility. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think coming into the year, we heard the whole offseason, Mulkey was trying to tamp, uh, you know, temp expectations, mm-hmm. be like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, that was that was year one. We had a bunch of seniors. You can't expect that every single, uh, you know, that type of rebuild that quickly. Well, I mean, and then she also said in the early in the season, she's like, I wasn't expecting us to be this good, so that's why I scheduled us to have a weaker schedule, uh, which, you know, we can debate however much we want, but I think it has surprised her to a degree how well it's worked out and how good everybody's been. I mean, because this is, this has been an incredible start. Not only that they're beating teams, but the way that they've beaten them. Yeah, we'll see. That South Carolina game looms big. And uh, we'll see if um, Angel Reese can get a double-double against, um, what's the girl's name for South Carolina? Boston yeah, or something? Aaliyah, yeah, Aaliyah Boston. Uh, yeah, if he can get a, uh, a double-double against her, that, that now we're talking player of the year. Now we're talking yeah. player of the year. So so we shall see. What what? How bad is it going to get before it gets good for the men's team? Uh, they played, you know, after Auburn at home this week and Tennessee at home this week, uh, which games nobody will expect them to win. And, I mean, rightfully so, Auburn and Tennessee are very, very good teams in their own right and playing for a lot, uh, you know, being the top 25 to, for seeding. So they lose those two. They got um, Arkansas and Texas Tech as those next two games. And those are the games I'm going to be looking at like they're going to have to to win both, if not, you know, one or if not both of them, um, even though the Arkansas game will be on the road and Texas Tech got its best player back. So, yeah, it, it, it'll be um, it'll be scary. Hopefully, I, I, my big thing is you just have to look competitive against Auburn and Tennessee at home. Like you, you can't get blown out. Right. Right. I think they got a chance to beat Auburn. Auburn's one of those feast or famine teams. Yeah. Yeah. If they shoot it well, you got no shot. But boy, they jack it up. And if they're not hitting, they are very, very beatable. Tennessee, on the other yeah. hand, that's one of those teams that kind of locks you down and they get after. They don't beat themselves. They play really hard defensively. That's going to be tough. But they got Auburn's Auburn's winnable, but you gotta you gotta shoot the ball. And I've said it till I'm blue in the face. LSU doesn't have the talent nor the depth to be able to to just play with the, they got to shoot the ball at a very high level if they don't they got no shot period yeah i yeah i, I agree 100 percent with your the auburn take i think if lsu plays at its peak performance and auburn doesn't play as well i mean we've seen auburn lose to georgia on the road already this year and they've had some some underwhelming performances but um yeah like you said lsu is gonna have to shoot the ball well which they just have not done i mean they're what they're 13th in the conference in two point percentage in conference play. I mean, they're uh, 12th in overall field goal percentage. Like they just can't score the ball. And I think the hope is that getting Cam Hayes back, uh, which he will be back in the starting lineup. We talked to McMahon earlier today. He'll be back in the starting lineup. The hope is that he gives them the spacing they need for a guy like KJ and Derek Fountain to, to maybe get, uh, find some lanes on the inside and score. Because if not, I mean, the, the, Juice Hill and Trey Hannibal starting lineup. I just don't really want to see that ever again. Hopefully, if everybody stays healthy. Right. Um, right. But you know, if you have, let's say, Hannibal, Hayes, and Miller as your one through three, it is a little bit more manageable, and you hope they can they can get something going. But they all gotta shoot the ball. Gotta shoot the ball well. And the thing going against the basketball team is the women's team is eighteen and zero, 
and gymnastics is drawing 12,000 people to watch them perform. So it's, it's a tough, tough deal. Um, uh, but you said you talked to coach McMahon. How, how, do you, do you sense that he's okay? Do you sense that this is fatiguing him? What's his, what, what, what do you sense in his demeanor now? I don't know if it's fatiguing him. Um, I think ex- coming into the year, I think he was already, you know, obviously had expectations kind of tempered off a little bit just to be like, hey, it's year one, rebuild, kind of go from there. Uh, you know, he brought in his Murray State guys. He's brought, he had some returners, brought in a bunch of transfers. This wasn't going to be a team that was gonna, competing in the top half of the SEC. I said that, you know, coming into the year, I thought they'd be in the right. 8 to 10 range. Um, but it it is a different situation where you come from a program like Murray State where you're just ro- rolling through wins, you know, every single year. you got the player yeah. of the year in the conference, and you got John Morant to, to Cameron Payne to K.J. Williams. You know, you just have the best players. It's different here. It's different, and I think he obviously realizes he's going to have to upgrade at talent over the offseason and have to really, really hit the portal hard. But um, for now, it's just kind of figuring out what works and what doesn't. I think getting his footing in the SEC is kind of what this whole first stretch is about. Yeah, tomorrow night, Auburn, 6 o'clock. You can listen to it starting at 5.30 here on the game. You cover baseball as well, or you leave that to somebody else? Yeah, we we, uh, we do a little bit of baseball. Uh, I go to the media sessions during the season and stuff like that. But, yeah, we we do we have freelance as well. We have Hunt, Hunt Palmer over there who is uh, help, helping us out this year. Uh, three baseball polls are out. All three yep. unanimously pick LSU, they did a, a poll where they talked to every coach in the country, and LSU was hands down the the favorite to win it all. Man, they, they seem to be loaded, but you got to take that off paper and put it on the field, and I'll believe it when I see pitching. And if they got pitching, they got everything else. Yeah, I mean, the bats, the bats are there. We've known that. that we have knew the bats were there last year. I mean, yeah, Tommy White. Uh, from NC State, um, and then the pitchers, the pitchers that they added, Christian Little from Vanderbilt, uh, Thatcher Hurd from UCLA, those are the guys. I mean, even Paul Skeens from Air Force is kind of a do-it-all type guy. But, they, I mean, Jay Johnson, one thing I was impressed with last year is he quickly understood that that last year's team was not on the level of a team like Arkansas. Or the, you know, a lot of the teams in the SEC, as talent-wise goes, and he – quickly addressed it. He went to the portal. He um, is a no-nonsense type coach, and he he hit all of their um, their needs, I'd say. So, you know, I think on paper, they're, there's a reason they're number one. They return a lot, you know, Dugas and all the players. But um, it's the transfer portal additions that, that really get people excited and that really have coaches across the country being like, okay, this is a team that can put it together. It's a race to see which one of these coaches at LSU gets the national championship first, and the race is on. Kim Mulkey's got them all <laughs> guessing, but guess what? Jay Johnson's going to be close, too. We'll see. Um, Matthew Bruni, thank you. BengalTigerOn3.com, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see if we get uh, men's hoops uh, back in the right direction and keep the women going. Man, I wish that game in February was here and not in Columbia, but it is what it is. But thank you, my friend. Yeah. Yep, thanks for having me. Anytime, man.
You got it, buddy. Uh, by the way, that D1 baseball poll that they asked every program in the country who they thought would win the Men's College World Series this season, uh, 261 responded, 139 picked LSU. The next closest was Tennessee with 26. I would say that is a um, very, very big differential. I will take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the number one ranked LSU Tiger baseball team and your home for the number one team in Major League Baseball, the World Series champion Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back, uh, wrapping up our number one... And, you know, it, uh, that's you scored your Amazon Alexa or your Google Home smart speaker for Christmas. You can now use it to listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game. Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We'll talk a lot of NFL in our number two. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and and Gold Report, the latest on Sean Payton, the latest on Russell Gage uh, of Tampa Bay. We'll get uh, after that uh, hit um, last night against Dallas, and we'll talk about the playoffs and everything else. That's hour number two coming your way here on the Jordy Helper Show. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, welcome back. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, January 17th, the year 2023. Yours truly here, Studio 1A. My main man, James Mesh, back in the producer's chair in the game studios on the campus of Delta Media, where you will find 1037 Lafayette. We're also a little west in Lake Charles, 1041. We're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, we're also on television as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We know that uh, there are eight teams left in the NFL playoffs, thanks to the uh, Dallas Cowboys dismantling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last night. Uh, in the big pirate ship, 31 to 14 was the final. Dak Prescott was tremendous. Uh, one of those games where after a couple of drives where it was three and out, three and out, kind of settled in. Ended up completing 25 of his 33 passes for 305 yards and four touchdowns. Tony Pollard. Um uh, 
Averaged 5.1 yards on the ground. They got um, great defensive play. Dalton Schultz, the tight end, had seven receptions, two touchdowns. C.D. Lamb had a touchdown. Michael Gallup had a touchdown. So if the Dallas Cowboys play like that, if Dak Prescott and his supporting cast play like that, their defense is good enough. They are a legit Super Bowl contender. Plain and simple. But the question is, can they do it consistently? Time will tell. Next up for the Dallas Cowboys, they head to Santa Clara to play the San Francisco 49ers. So the divisional round looks like this. The Jacksonville Jaguars will be in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs Saturday afternoon. Saturday evening, the New York Giants will play. We'll go to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. We've got three NFC East teams still around. Still around. On Sunday, the doubleheader, Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow will head to Buffalo for the early game that day. Uh, And the late afternoon game will be the Dallas Cowboys against the San Francisco 49ers. So those are your eight teams left in the race for the Super Bowl. Yes, the NFC NFL Conference Championships will be a week from Sunday on the 29th, and the Super Bowl will be February the 12th. Just two weeks after Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin collapsed and needed to be resuscitated on the field, we had another sobering moment last night when Tampa Bay Buck wide receiver, former LSU Tiger Russell Gage, was taken off by stretcher late in the fourth quarter of that wild-card playoff game against Dallas. The team released a statement today saying Gage had movement in his extremities after suffering a neck injury and concussion. He will continue to undergo more tests in the hospital after spending the night there. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Russell Gage tweeted i appreciate all of the texts calls thoughts and prayers you all have expressed towards my family and i i just wanted to let you know that i'm doing great and in great spirits thank goodness for that he was injured when he stumbled on a route went to the ground couldn't make the catch and took a hard shot to the neck from donovan wilson he tried to get up but couldn't slammed his hand into the ground in frustration both teams players from both teams took a knee um as medical personnel attended to gauge so um football is a violent violent game and there's there's contact there's hitting which all takes me back to the tom brady situation he doesn't want to get hit it's quite obvious he doesn't want to get a hit he's throwing the ball into the ground he's it's throwing it away not to get hit and when he does throw it and there's pressure, he's turning to the side and he's cringing. He just doesn't look like a player that, you know, wants to give what is required to compete in the NFL in a sport where contact is everything. And they, and they do everything to protect the quarterback. But um, I don't know. So we'll see. We'll discuss all of this with um, – Uh, Our good friend Bob Rose here coming up in uh, shortly, shortly. The Pels finally, finally, finally will will be home uh, after a five game, 10 day road trip in which they won two and lost three. The latest being to the Cleveland Cavaliers, where they were outscored by 
13 in the final quarter to lose by 10. Um, so that road, that road is tough. The Miami Heat comes to the Smoothie King Center on Wednesday, and we'll see what happens. Um, yesterday was the last day to declare for the NFL draft. Um, and it appears that running back John Emery passed on that draft to return for a fifth season at LSU. The senior from St. Rose, who was the was the last draft eligible LSU player who had not made an announcement about his future. He joins quarterback Jaden Daniels and safety Greg Brooks in coming back for a fifth season. And that gives LSU a very important um, addition. He appeared in 11 games last year after finishing a 15-game academic suspension that sidelined him for the entire 21 season. Um, so you've got Josh Williams coming back. You've got John Emery Jr. coming back. you got some, um, some freshmen. Uh, so we'll see. Six scholarship running backs. Emery, Williams, Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin. Freshman signees, Caleb Jackson and Trey Holly. Uh, Holly, the four-star from Farmerville, has enrolled early. So the LSU running back room looks deeper. The LSU quarterback room, not as deep. And we continue to wait. Look, there's another. The, the, the transfer portal period is about to come to an end. They'll, uh, then they'll go through spring practices. They'll have another portal session opening and then we'll see how things go in spring practice and that will determine what happens i think in the lsu quarterback room but uh, time will tell plenty of time for that plenty of time for that um lsu baseball as we said in our number one um three baseball polls are out all three have LSU ranked number one. D1 Baseball asked every program in the country who they thought would win the 2023 Men's College World Series. Uh, Ella, of the 261 who responded, 139 picked LSU. The next closest was Tennessee with 26. LSU's baseball season opener, 31 days away as is UL and McNeese. So baseball right around the corner. LSU men's basketball, uh, they're going to try and get figure out a way to get back in a rhythm, to snap a four-game losing streak. They host Auburn tomorrow uh, at 6 p.m. in the PMAC. Uh, you can listen to it here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Pre-game show begins at 530. Tip is at 6. I think Auburn is a beatable team. I know they're ranked in the top 25, but it's feast or famine. If they start knocking down threes, it's over. You can't beat them. If they don't, again, LSU men's basketball they just uh they need to shoot it really really well to have a chance meanwhile the women 18 and 0 um angel reese 18 double doubles wow throughout lsu's next two games reese can tie and break sylvia fowles lsu record for consecutive double doubles of 19 uh that would be pretty darn good 
Powell set the record through the middle part of the 2006-2007 season. So um, she's in pretty darn good company if she can keep doing that. Um, Kim Mulkey's group back on the court Thursday when they host Arkansas during the SEC's annual We Back Pat Week. Uh, it's a week-long initiative meant to bring awareness and recognition to the Pat Summit Foundation and its fight against Alzheimer's disease so it's always a good cause for that so those are some of your headlines of the day it's great to hear that russell gage is in good spirits says he's doing fine man that's awesome Whew, scary scary at first awesome news today for him so keep him in your prayers as well um we'll talk all about uh the latest with sean payton he's doing some interviewing are any of these teams that are out there the right spot for Sean Payton or should he take another year sabbatical and wait I thought the Chargers would fire their head coach but instead they're firing everybody else around him um and not not him so uh we shall see offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi fired quarterback coach Shane Day fired um so, Brandon Staley, is he next or is he safe? They're scheduled to meet with reporters Wednesday for Coach Staley and Thursday for general manager Tom Telesco. So, we shall see. We shall see. All right. Um, we'll talk all things NFL after our first time out of our number two, Bob Rose, Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. When we return after this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, lots to talk about, not only with a particular coach, but a bunch of quarterbacks and eight teams still in the hunt for the Lombardi Trophy. And with that, I say good afternoon to my friend, Mr. Bob Rose. Bob, a good afternoon. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing pretty well for a dreary Jan- January afternoon. I hope you're doing the same. How's, how's the weather in your part of the world? Is it cold and snow everywhere, or what's the deal? You know what? We don't. We haven't gotten a lot of snow in the last couple of years, uh, but the, the, the temperatures are pretty consistently cold. Today is a mild day for Western PA about 40 degrees but uh, we see the sun maybe three times between december and march <laughs> western pa is that is that the land of joe namath is that his territory from back in the day yes sir joe namath uh joe montana yeah uh johnny unitas len da- you know not too far from len dawson and bernie Kosar. they grew up in youngstown wow uh, i actually coached for three years at joe uh joe montana's alma mater oh and dan marino how could we forget yes, about dan marino that, jim that, kelly absolutely yeah wow <laughs> quarterback central right uh which takes me to quarterback central um tom brady looked like a guy that 
he he was like playing flag football and he didn't want to have any part of that how do you, what's what's going on there it, look, it didn't it looks like he doesn't want to get hit at all cringes from it boy he just looked bad last night he looked really bad yeah he did um but tom brady hasn't liked to get hit his entire football career uh, yeah, I do agree with you that the majority of this season and you know, it especially reared its ugly head last night. Uh, you know, he just he he cringed and flinched a lot more than we normally see him do. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Cowboys have the book on him on how to beat him. And, you know, they just blitzed him over and over and over again right down the pipe and you know, got in his face. And that's been the book on beating Tom Brady for a long, long time. Uh, you know, uh, Tampa Bay. Didn't get the flags that Brady teams normally get you know, to offset some of that pressure right, and some of those right. hits. All right, let's call a spade a spade. That's what it is when you play Tom Brady. That's the concern. Uh, yeah, and yeah, he's a, a lot of people are talking about today. Obviously, you know how old he looked and everything like that. Uh, you know, he he's looked that way for a while, and he's needed the a strong team around him, strong supporting cast around him. And Tampa Bay just wasn't able to give that to him this year. Does he walk into the sunset or does he evaluate and look at some some other possibilities? I mean, look, football today, I don't, I don't get surprised with guys throwing for 4,000, 5,000 yards. It's set yeah. up for that, right? Set yeah. up for that. But there is no such thing as perfect protection. And if the guy doesn't want to get hit, he's playing in a game where that's the primary goal of those other 11 people. I don't know. What do you think? You know, coming into the year, uh, you know, you, you and I had hit the nail on the head when he retired last year. We said he'd be back before the regular season. Uh, we were right there. I felt very strongly through midseason and even the two-thirds point that Brady, this would be Brady's swan song. Now I'm not sure. Now, you know, walking off the field last night, he looked like a guy that was done. Uh, yeah, he, he kind of sounds like a guy that is done right now. Uh, but I think if he takes a couple of weeks away, he's like that boxer that just doesn't know when to quit. He has to be told. And I think that that's what we're looking at with Tom Brady. I would not be surprised if we saw him on the field again in 2023, but it won't be for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, his family tried to tell him he should stay home, and that didn't work. So, okay, do you think there will be a lot of teams that would want him? Because modern football – you see all these teams that are still in the play. Man, they got quarterbacks that can move their legs. They can run around. And when, when everything else breaks down, man, they they run it. They pick up first downs. Brady's not going to do that. Do you think there will be a um, a uh, a plethora of teams that would want him? Hey, no, no, Jordy, I don't. Uh, there'll be a handful. Uh, yeah, the first thing to look at is what teams need the jersey sales. Maybe a team like the Las Vegas Raiders, who are always cash strapped. Okay. Uh, another thing to look at from Brady's perspective, what team looks ready to win now and has offensive minded coaches that Brady could fall in line with. Uh, again, the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh McDaniels was his offensive coordinator right. in New England for years right. and years and years. Uh, you know, at 45 wide receiver, right? They got uh -huh. a pretty good, yeah, they got a pretty good uh -huh. running back. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, and not only you receive a running back, they have Darren Waller at tight end. Hunter Renfro is a pretty, pretty darn good uh, number two wide receiver. Uh, yeah, so I see it. Long story short, I see Vegas on the short list of teams. We're going to hear about the San Francisco 49ers. I think they'd be morons 
to bring in, you know, to bring in Tom Brady when they got a rookie playing so well, uh, you know, and a second year guy, uh, third year guy and Trey Lance that they've invested so highly in. But we're going to hear about uh, we're going to hear about San Francisco. What about a team like Indianapolis? They could use a boost in jersey sales. Uh, you know, they're looking for a head coach right now, but they do have some offensive pieces. They have one of the better, more respected offensive lines in professional football, which is something to look hard at. Uh, I think Indianapolis will be another team on the short list. What if our guy Sean Payton lands somewhere where he still needs a quarterback? That all of a sudden becomes a storyline. Uh, you know, so I, I do think that there'll be three, four, five teams tops, but yeah, the, the list won't be long. Uh, another quarterback that's out there that's sending out some some messages on social media is Lamar Jackson. Um, and here's a guy that uh, you put the tape in, and he certainly he certainly moves the moves the numbers. He he does an awful lot for that club. Um, I don't know where to stand. I'm always for the players when you're talking about yeah. billionaire owners. I'm always for the players getting paid, but you got to be available. Um, he's been hurt. But, man, he means so much. What's Baltimore doing? What are they thinking? Who's better than him for them? I, I really don't know because, I mean, it, you, you and I have had this conversation before. You know, John Harbaugh, to his coaching credit, redesigned his complete uh, – you know, he, he and his coaches have redesigned yeah. their complete offense to fit exactly into Lamar Jackson's skill set. Uh, so, you know, Baltimore is tailor ma- has made themselves tailor-made for Lamar Jackson. I think that they dropped the ball. I, I still don't think Lamar Jackson's going to be playing anywhere else. Baltimore franchise tag him if they have to. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, to drag out the now, negotiations wait. like this. He, yeah. he doesn't have to sign that franchise tag. He can hold that out and force their hand, right? That is correct. Uh, you know, he can hold out. Uh, now, if they tag him, it's not like he can hit the open market and just sign with anybody. Uh, but certainly holding out when you're on a franchise tag, and we've seen this a few times before with big-name players, you could force that team to trade you. Uh, you know, and to to swing a deal, a trade, that late in the process, uh, you know, Baltimore would basically be left at ground zero at the hey, quarterback man. position. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just I, I think they really should have came hard to the negotiating well, table a lot sooner than they did. You know what the problem is? One of the dumbest franchises out there, the Cleveland Cavaliers, threw everything out of whack when they did their deal for their quarterback. And because of that, now every, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. His mom's helping him and she's going, well, look what that guy is making in Cleveland. You're better than him. You were, you were an MVP, blah, 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 blah. You want a playoff game? You're, you need that. And so Cleveland screwed up everything. Oh yeah. And leave it to Cleveland to do exactly that. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're Lamar Jackson, you have to look at it realistically this way too. You made your living with your legs. I don't care what I don't care what anybody says. Lamar Jackson is a runner first and a and a thrower second. Uh, and you've got like you pointed out a minute ago, he's he's gotten some injuries banged up quite a bit more in the last two three years and you know eventually that speed that elusiveness is going to wear out a little bit and you have to then ask yourself is lamar jackson a pocket passer at this stage in his career absolutely not his accuracy actually has not improved uh, uh since his rookie year right. so you i'm with you i'm on the side of the players you have a chance to make as much guaranteed money as you can while you're still healthy and able enough to do it you do it 
But again, you know, Baltimore from Baltimore's perspective, knowing that Cleveland set the market and it it made every general manager put their ha- hands right. on the side of their head and you know use a few choice words we can't use here, but not you know, right or wrong. That's the way the market was set. So you can't balk at it now. You uh, you have to come to the negotiating table aware of such a fact. And the fact that Deshaun Watson stunk this year when he played. I know he was rusty and all, but he stunk. I mean that that says a lot. We'll, we'll see. So you've got Derek Carr out there. You've got Lamar Jackson, possibly Tom Brady, possibly Jimmy Garoppolo, possibly. Do you see any of those guys suiting up for the black and gold next year? Come on. Uh, I could see Garoppolo or, uh, or Carr, uh, you know, depending on the financial figures. Uh, I don't think the Saints are in a position to necessarily trade for Derek Carr, which is uh, which is what the scenario would be right now. But I think the more likely scenario out of Las Vegas is that the Raiders will release Carr, mm-hmm. uh, you know, allow him to negotiate with, you know, allow him to hit the free agent market. And if that happens, I think New Orleans is a very strong potential landing spot for Carr. Uh, I've always thought it's a potential landing spot for Garoppolo. I still think New Orleans is going to wait to see how this Sean Payton market pans out yeah. uh, you know, and if they can swing a trade for a first-round draft choice this year and perhaps get into the rookie quarterback sweepstakes. Is Derek Carr just a, a, a slight notch above Andy Dalton? I mean, think about it. Andy Dalton had a pretty good year. Derek, is he that much better than Andy Dalton? Honestly, Jordy, no, I don't think so. I don't so. think so uh, either. Yeah, I don't think so. And, you know, same with Garoppolo. Both Jimmy, and especially Jimmy, but both Jimmy and Derek have proven to be winners when they have the talent and supporting cast around them. And, you know, you certainly have that on the defense of the New Orleans Saints. And you have some nice offensive weapons. Uh, but, yeah, again, you have to ask yourself – you know, what direction is the New Orleans Saints offense going to head in? Uh, you know, we saw we didn't see much of an offensive identity from them most of the year. Their offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael, I still can't believe he has a job as we sit here on Tuesday, January 17th. Uh, you know, so what direction do they head in with that? Uh, you know, if they can if they retain Carmichael, is he going to be a lame duck offensive coordinator on the hot seat? Uh, you know, and in which case, if you're if you're a veteran quarterback coming in who still has some years on your career, like Jimmy and Derek do, uh, what happens if you go to a team like New Orleans who could ask their offensive coordinator, start from scratch, then you have to learn a whole new offensive system too. It, it's, it's it, New Orleans is not in an enviable place right now. No, everything's tied to Sean Payton. I mean, re- he, he, it really truly is because they have no assets to, I mean, they have nothing to bargain to, to, to do anything. Um, but heaven forbid, if the Saints go into next season, Saints fans, their reaction, uh, your starting quarterback is Andy Dalton. Nothing against Andy Dalton, but come on. They got to do better than that. They've got to. Yeah, absolutely. If that yeah, if that's the case, and I agree with you, I do not think it would be. Uh, but if that's the case, they better get those construction workers out there to dig a trench that leads the, the funnels the Mississippi all the way around the, uh, the, the Caesar Superdome because they're going to need a moat and alligators to protect that front office. I'm with you. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll take a timeout, the Black and Gold Report. Where should Sean Payton go? Or, heaven forbid, does he sit out another year and wait? We'll have that uh, conversation when we return here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. 
Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. Black and Gold Report Part 2 with the Saints News Network's Bob Rose. And now we shift our discussion to the man who... uh, in a roundabout way, is kind of holding the Saints hostage as to what they do for next season, and that's their former coach in Sean Payton. His interviews uh, began uh, began today, um, and there's a bunch of teams out there that have requested and have been, have given, been given permission by Mickey Loomis and the Saints for them to uh, interview and talk to Sean Payton. So, uh, Bob... Um, there's Houston, there's Denver, there's Carolina, just to name three. What, what What's intriguing about any of those, if any of those, for Sean Payton? Well, in Denver's case, uh, you have Russell Wilson, a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, Russ looked broken to me last year. Wow. He, he looked broken. Uh, but a coach's ego is always, I can fix talent. Um in, in Arizona, you have a, a extremely talented young quarterback in Kyler Murray. Lots of offensive weapons at wide receiver and tight end. Uh, in Carolina, you, you have nice weather. <laughs> uh, same, yeah, same with Houston. Um, now, Houston's got assets. They've they got do. draft picks. They can go draft a quarterback, right? But does Sean Payton want to go through training a rookie quarterback and go through that process? I don't well, know. That's, it, it, that's the thing, and that's what I've tried to tell to other to say to other people too. Like, you know, put yourself in Sean Payton's shoes. Yeah, the Houston Texans have assets, including the number two overall pick. Uh, but yeah, first of all, I don't think the Saints are going to get a top five draft choice for Sean Payton. Draft picks are just too valuable. But if you're Sean Payton, would you really want to go to a franchise that is willing to give up that number two overall pick and doesn't have a quarterback as you're coming in? I sure as heck wouldn't. And Sean Payton is in the driver's seat with all of these positions. He could just as easily say, you know what, guys, I don't like none of you. Uh, you know, I'm just going to stay in the Fox you know, Fox studio uh, you know, for for another year, my you know my cushy analyst job, uh, you know, and I'll start from scratch next year. So you know, everybody has, you know, all these teams that are interested so far. They they have nice teams. I mean, every NFL te- team has talent. Uh, you know, it's just you know, what does Sean Payton do at quarterback? Like you said, what other offensive pieces do they have? Do they have a a, a strong defense in place? Uh, you know, that could uh, that could kind of hold the fort while Sean gets his offensive system, uh, you know, hit, hitting the ground, uh, you know, running. Um, it just depends where Sean's head is right at right now. Uh, I can't see him going. I'm a little bit surprised New Orleans uh, uh, granted permission for the interview. I see that only as a negotiating ploy to perhaps drive up the price for Denver, Houston, and whoever throws uh, whoever else throws their hat into the ring. Yeah, he reportedly has his second official interview planned in New York with Mr. Tepper and the Carolina Panthers. Um, are you surprised that in the in the way that the Chargers lost in that fashion, <coughs> excuse me, that their head coach is still their head coach? I am surprised. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. 
Brandon Staley's a, a young, dynamic guy, so I see the uh, I see the benefit of giving him another year to perhaps grow into the job. But when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, and you have a coach like Sean Payton sitting out there, I really, really thought it would be just too tempting to pull the trigger and try dr- drive hard to go get a coach like Peyton. And like you said, especially with the way that it's not just the fact that the Chargers lost, it's the way that they lost. It's, you know, pretty and nearly historic fashion. Uh, And to just have the bottom fall out. I thought for sure that we would be reading Brandon Staley's names, uh, name on the unemployment line come Monday or Tuesday instead of his offensive staff. That would be the golden opportunity, I would think. It's out there in L.A. Sean's living out in L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a quarterback. He's got basically uh, they share a stadium, so it's it's state-of-the-art. Um, the weather's great. That would seem to me to be uh, the optimum place to go, but they're firing their coordinator, their offensive coordinator. They fired their quarterback coach, um, but they hadn't fired the head coach yet, so I, I, I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I since they did announce those the, those firings of Joe Lombardi and their quarterbacks coach, uh, since they announced those first, I do not think that Brandon's. I I, I think that absolutely Brandon Staley is coming back yep. for at least another year with the Chargers uh, because you you don't you don't announce the firing of assistants before you announce the firing of your head coach. I'm with you. So, what do you think Sean Payton does? Uh, you know, I still lean towards Arizona. Uh, you know, if he ends up anywhere. Um, Denver is intriguing. Denver has a lot of money to throw at him. Uh, you know, uh, they, they are obviously willing to part with draft picks to get what they want in the building. Uh, they do have a first round draft choice. It's going to be a late one. It's going to be in the mid twenties or lower, depending on where the San Francisco 49ers finish their year. Uh, so I do think that Denver is an intriguing place. I would be shocked if he ended up in Carolina or Houston. And since, the Arizona or uh, the the Chargers do not have a coaching vacancy, and since Arizona actually hired a general manager today or last right. night, because I thought I really thought Peyton would end up in Arizona with perhaps Jeff Ireland as the general manager, pulling him away from New Orleans. Since that didn't happen, I'm becoming more and more. Uh, I'm coming around more and more to the thinking that Sean Payton is going to spend another year in the Fox booth. Uh, yeah, I think this this process still has a couple more weeks to play out. Uh, if you're going to put a gun in my head and force me to pick a team of the available teams, I'm still leaning towards Arizona. But I'll tell you, him staying for, with Fox for another year is becoming stronger and stronger. Why do I have this feeling that um... – that Carolina's a big-time player in this. They've made it been known. It's been out there. He's meeting with them in New York. Uh, Tepper's the kind of guy. He's got more money than he knows how to spend. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need something to get that fan base generated and excited. They've made it be known. They want to talk to him. That's the kind of splash hire maybe a Tepper that Carolina wants. For some reason, I think they're going to – to make him an offer that they hope he can't refuse to steal the old Godfather line. And, uh, and you know what? You're, you're right. Tepper has been desperate for a splash uh, for his organization. The Carolina Panthers hold the number nine overall draft pick. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I just said a minute ago, I'd be shy. I, I did. I don't expect the saints to get 
a, a, a top 10 draft pick out of this. But I'll tell you, if it's an NFC South rival, that's yeah. what it's going to take at yeah. minimum to yeah. get Sean Payton. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, you asked me before about Brady's landing spots. You know, we've heard rumors about you know, Peyton and Brady in Miami and Peyton and Brady in New Orleans, Peyton and Brady maybe in Houston. I can actually see Peyton Brady in Carolina. Uh, you know, the Panthers give up that number nine overall draft pick along with some other draft choices, which I think it's going to take, uh, you know, and maybe Tom Brady ends up in Carolina because they don't have an answer at that quarterback position, as you know. If they get number nine, they got to package something together and move up with somebody to get in the hunt for a quarterback, right? Oh heck yeah! If you yeah. get that close, if you get in the top, yeah, in the top ten or number ten, uh, you you have. I, I know a lot of people are wondering if the Bears are going to you know, give up on Justin Fields. I don't think they are. No way. No uh, way. So you have them sitting at that top spot, and you uh, you know you, who's going to make a trade for that? Indianapolis uh, is going to make sure. a trade to get to number one sure uh but even if that's the case you still have the colts old spot sitting at four yeah. you could swing a deal for that i think cj stroud could slip to the number four spot uh you know i think the bama quarterback uh oh god why is it bryce, bryce, bryce uh, young bryce yeah young. thank you my brain my my own old age kicking in <laughs> um I think Bryce Young will be the first or second overall pick, depending on the way the, the way the trades sort out. Uh, but I think C.J. Stroud could very easily slip to number four. C.J. Stroud from the Ohio State. Tell me a better pairing. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Sean Payton holds the key to the same success. Yes, he, does. he really does. Uh, we've got eight teams left in this thing. Let's get your thoughts on uh, the divisional rounds. First game Saturday, the Jacksonville Jaguars down 27 Rallied back and won. Thank you, Chargers. Um, taking on the number one seed who had a week to rest, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. You give Jacksonville any chance in this one? Very, very little. Uh, yeah, I did think that Jacksonville could make a game of it. I was not at all surprised that they beat the Chargers. Uh, but they're, they're they're punching way up in weight class here. I just think the Chiefs are gonna uh, are, okay. are gonna hand the young upstart Jaguars and send them packing home early. Yeah. It'll be a learning experience for Jacksonville, but I, I, I for this is probably your your blowout of divisional round weekend. Way too soon, Jacksonville. Don't get greedy. You won a game. That's great. Right. But now it's time to, yeah. Okay. Um. Boy, I tell you what. Three teams from the NFC East are still in the field of eight. Two of them will play Saturday night. The Giants, uh, who went into Minnesota and did it, uh, they take on the number one seed in the NFC, the Eagles, um, in Philly. These two teams know one another really, really well. Two pretty good quarterbacks that do for their team very well. Um, this ought to be a good one. Yeah, I think so too. And two bitter rivals too. Uh, you know that, that that won't give an inch from each other. Uh, and Daniel Jones, Giants quarterback, another Ooh. name that could be available on the free agent list. By the way, uh, I'm not a fan, but he's been playing really, really well. Uh, I've been high on Philadelphia all year, as you know. Um, I'm interested to see what the Eagles injury report is going to look like if they really start to get some of these battered players back healthy. Mm -hmm. If they do. I do think that they beat the Giants relatively easily. If they don't, this is a completely different story because the Giants are playing with a lot of confidence right yeah. now. They feel like they're playing with house money. Uh, yeah, and you know, we, we saw them play that way uh, 
you know, you, you know what to the wind, uh, you know, against Minnesota, and that makes any team dangerous. Uh, you know, I give the Giants a chance, but I do like the Eagles in this one. I think this is going to be a good one. I really do. I think the next one on Sunday is is the marquee matchup. Uh, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati heading to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the Bills. The Bills look like they can beat anybody. And then they also look like they can be beaten by anybody. Uh, the Bengals are, along with the 49ers, are the two hottest teams in football. Yeah. Um, boy, this this has all the makings uh, we uh, of a really good one. What do you think? Yeah, I think it'll be the game of the weekend too. I think I think really three of the four games should be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and let me go on record as saying I think the NFL dropped, screwed over the Bengals big time. They're talking about coin flip for home field advantage situations and all this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- this game also should have been de- decided by a coin flip. I know that they ruled the, the Bengals Bills you know, game uh, a few weeks ago a no contest, and they was that was the right decision. Right. Uh, but the Bengals were in the running for home field advantage. Uh, yeah, and nonetheless, the game's going to be played in Buffalo. That doesn't bother Cincinnati one Not bit. Not at all. Right. Uh, yeah, this, that Bengals defense is vastly underrated, as both you and I point out every week. The pass protection and the offensive line worry me a lot. But on the flip side, the Bills, like you said, you know, one minute they look like the 85 Bears with an offense. Uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the next week they look like uh, they look like a team that could literally fumble away a victory to anyone. Uh, I'm interested in the last, We all know what happened the last time these two teams meet. Just met just a th- short three weeks ago. So I'm interested to see if there's any emotions involved either. Yeah. Uh, I look for a high scoring game. How could you not with Joe Burrow? Josh Allen and all these offensive weapons. Uh, I like the Bengals to squeak out a very close one, though. In the back of the mind of the NFL, would they rather see the Bills and Chiefs where they could promote what happened a year ago, or would they rather the Bengals and Chiefs from a from an overall television perspective and all that stuff? What do you think? They'd absolutely rather see the Bills and the uh, Bills and the Chiefs, okay. uh, yeah, because of the recent play, re, the the last two years playoff history, uh, yeah, and, and all that. Uh, yeah, obviously, Buffalo is a great storyline because of the four Super Bowls that they lost, you know, in the early '90s with Jim Kelly, uh, and now you have the Demar Hamlin, uh, you know, get behind Demar Hamlin, which yeah, I'm of course I'm all for, but sure. you know, you know, this Goodell NFL just eats up storylines, so that's that's something to watch yeah. this Sunday. I'll, I'll leave that there. Who do you like in that one? Uh, you picked the Bengals and, to go to the Super Bowl, right? I did, and I'm not backing off now. Okay. Uh, again, the offensive line worries me, but I, I look for the Bengals. Uh, yeah, I'm staying on my Bengals train. Or two good quarterbacks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the theory that I had of uh, momentum means an awful lot in the NFL means absolutely nothing. The Cowboys stunk against the Commanders, <laughs> and they look great against Tampa Bay. But they're stepping up in class with the 49ers. They have uh, they play on a short week. The 49ers have been sitting back and resting, and they're at home in beautiful Santa Clara. The Cowboys flew back, got home late last night. They're starting preps now. they got to fly all the way across country to the west coast why are the 49ers only favored by four <laughs> because because they're it's the dallas cowboys uh if it was any uh, you know if it was 
maybe 20, 25 of the other teams, uh, 49ers probably be favored by eight or 10 here. And I think that San Francisco could potentially win by eight or 10. Uh, yeah, Dallas, we know how schizophrenic Dallas is. Uh, you know, that you want to talk about a team that could beat the be world beaters one week uh, you know, and be beaten and look punchless the next. Uh, so which Dallas team are you getting? We know that they're talented enough to, to match San Francisco blow for blow. But that's the problem. San Francisco just keeps hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we saw Dallas fold against that kind of 49ers squad last year. I think this 49ers team is better. They're on their own home, home turf and they're playing with a ton of confidence. I mean, you know, it, have you ever seen a rookie quarterback play better? Hey, forget what round he was drafted in. Have mm. you ever seen a rookie quarterback play better in his first playoff game than no. Brock Purdy? I mean, no. wow. No. Uh, you know, San, San Francisco, I love Cincinnati and the role they've been, they've been on. San Francisco is the hottest team in the NFL. Wouldn't it be interesting? The Bengals at the Chiefs and a rookie quarterback going to Philly to play for the NFC Championship. Wow. That's uh, that's what the thoughts are here. Uh, we shall see. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Thank you, my friend. Sean Payton. Come on, Sean. Do us a favor. Go to Carolina. Go to Carolina. We need a quarterback. Go ahead. Well, sure. And it gives you and I more fodder uh, you know, and more things to write about twice a year when the Saints play the Panthers. It's yeah. just it's bigger media headlines for us. So, yeah, Sean, make our job easier. Would they clap for Sean Payton on his first visit back as a Carolina head coach or would they go crazy nuts on him? Uh, no, I think they'd clap. I think Sean Sean would get and deserves one of those major video you know, yeah. video tributes yeah. and everything like that. Uh, now, after that first trip, depending on how the <laughs> Panthers do, That's we're talking right. a different story. That's right. All right, Bob. Thank you. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, buddy. Really appreciate Sounds it. great. Have a great week, my friend. You got it. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. <laughs> Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holtberg Show. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, finishing touches on this Tuesday, January 17th. Thanks to our guest, Matthew Bruni of uh, BengalTigerOn3.com, all things LSU, and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Tomorrow, Mike Huguenin joins us as per the norm for Hump Day with Huguenin. We'll preview LSU versus Auburn in uh, in hoops and much, much more. If today, January 17th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with Dwayne Wade, the former NBA star who's 41, and James Earl Jones. What a voice. He's 92. James Mesh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening, whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until next time, I'm Jordy Holtberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody. <laughs>